Digital Marketing Radio, episode 99. How to increase conversion rates. DigitalMarketingRadio.com I'm David Bain and this is Digital Marketing Radio. Weekly interviews with digital marketing experts. Find out about everything we do at DigitalMarketingRadio.com The Big Interview with David Bain Today I'm joined by Stuart Rogers. Now Stuart analyses the marketing technology sector and writes studies for VB Insight, including the State of Marketing Technology Report. He also breaks MarTech News for VentureBeat. You can find him over at insight.venturebeat.com. So Stuart, what's had the biggest impact on conversion rate improvements over the last 12 months or so? Oh, that's a really interesting question. I think one of the amazing things about conversion rate optimization generally is that um, it's very difficult. And this is uh, kind of weird for, for me to say this because, of course, I spend my time looking at lots and lots of data and then aggregating that data and averaging that data. Um, but what's quite interesting about conversion rate optimization is that if you take everyone else's and apply them to your situation, that's going to have the biggest negative impact on you. And the reason is, is because your tone of voice for your customers, for your audience, your audience, your age of audience, gender, uh, race, you know, wherever they may be, is going to be different to mine. Um, your product different to mine. Everything about you is unique to you. So one of the interesting things that I find is uh, I see a lot of these homepage shakedowns and you know all these uh, pieces of research and studies and analysis and they use a lot of averaged out data and the problem not actually going to tell you anything possibly do is really dig into your situation dig into your analytics work out hypothesis what might actually uh, need improving on your side whether it's you know bounce rates or whether it's conversion rate or whether it's the amount of time people spend on your page um, or even things like uh, technical issues, um, you know, like the speed of your, your page. Does increasing the speed of your website actually improve conversions? Um, you know, potentially it does. Um, but until you work out those hypotheses, run those tests, and get the data out of the data out of the other side, you're not going to know. And so uh, it's it's really interesting. CRO is uh, an incredibly interesting space, but it's also uh, almost a, an incredibly um, minute space because you have to worry about yourself and not everyone else. Okay, so you need to do something unique and different and not follow the herd or follow the average of the herd, as you're saying there. Um, but in terms of doing something unique, is it better um, to come up with that by looking at your analytics and actually defining your persona that you're actually targeting and just writing for them or should you be thinking more about forming content based upon your own personality it's a good place to start to look at your analytics when you're new to tarot um, it's a great place to look at your your analytics have a look at um, all of the stats and facts around how people are viewing your website um, it doesn't have to be website of course conversion rate optimization could equally be about your emails um, you know, email is still, as we've discovered in State of Marketing Technology Report and other studies, um, is actually the, the highest return on investment marketing channel out there. So, you know, email is incredibly important. And 
there's no reason why you can't run hypothesis and test changes in your emails as well to see if that increases your conversions. Um, you know, conversions don't have to be sales. They don't have to be clicks on buttons. They don't have to be uh, white paper downloads. Um, a conversion is, is whatever you think it is, whatever is important to you. And it's really about making sure we funnel people down until they do what you want them to. So uh, looking at your statistics, your analytics, that's a good start. But equally, it might be about looking at the copy of your website. Um, are you demonstrating the value in your product or service effectively? And if you change the language, does that have a positive or negative effect? You know, these are all things that can be tested along with design elements, along with uh, different email subject lines. You can even, did you know, split test telephone conversations and sales presentations. Uh, you know, there's no reason why you can't do those things. And in fact, uh, that was probably my first ever memory of uh, doing any kind of split testing um, a long, long time ago. David, back when I had naturally brown hair, <laughs> um, I split tested conversations I was having with people when I was in sales to see which one performed better. Okay, wow. At, at the very beginning of that, you went, you did focus on email there and um, how email was still very important. Um, now, what side of the fence do you sit on? Do you actually recommend companies to actually just be trying to get an opt-in and just get an email address and try to get as many emails as possible um, when they're actually offering something of value? Or should they focus on trying to get as much information on that lead as possible and actually look for things like full name and telephone number and perhaps address as well, getting less leads, but perhaps actually a better quality of customer who you could maybe do business with more in the future? It very much depends on the type of business and the type of sales approach. If you're a B2B organization with a nice consultative sales process, um, you probably want to be doing things that will get you to as much information on your prospective customer as possible, uh, because you're more than likely going to be an organization that starts with a, a marketing lead um, who qualify to then pass it to sales sales of them will do their own kind of qualification and then push it through the pipeline until they either win or lose the deal. And so getting as much information as early as possible, uh, potentially by, you know, that's why B2B organizations offer things like white papers, because they can say, hey, here's this really interesting piece of data. By the way, give me your name, company name, telephone number and email address in order to get it. Mm. Um, you know, that's great from a B2B side. Um, on a B2C side, um, if it's an e-commerce site, obviously the thing you want people to do is click the ask it button. And then the second thing you want them to do is actually go through with it and not abandon. Um, you know, and that's a very different proposition to getting email addresses and, and data from people on a B2B um, website. Or uh, So, you know, email addresses, they are desperately important um, on B2C. If you've got an e-commerce site, you can then ask people to set up an account in order to make that purchase, and therefore you get their email address. Um, and that's, you know, something that uh, does cause, uh, in, you know, abandonment of uh, of carts, mm. right? Because people will add something to their cart, will then say, 
please give us your email address to set up an account. They go, oh, sorry, not going to do that. And they'll go elsewhere and get from somewhere that doesn't require them to give up those details. Yeah. Um, but, you know, those those are all things that are important because email is still a very important channel, um, very high return on investment. Um, getting just an email address is, is good enough a lot of the time because, of course, these days we have technologies that can take that email address and augment it with all sorts of other data and information automatically. Mm. So we don't necessarily have to ask people questions. Um, you know, we can actually infer some of that information from social media and from big data stores. Yeah, so the wonders of big data. It's incredible how much information is out there. It's just collating it and using it in an, an intelligent way. It absolutely is. Um, although I think... You know, in the future, we, we might have some changes come in that. Um, you'll remember that, you know, in the early days of, of direct mail, it was completely unregulated. And mm. then we started to get regulation around direct mail. Uh, the same happened with telemarketing. Um, same happened with email marketing. Um, you know, it's, it's just not done to just go and buy a database of a million people and start sending them an email <clears throat> because that goes against every spam law you know, known to man, if you did that in Canada for every email, I think you're liable for up to a million dollar fine for per email for, for you know, unsolicited emails without all the relevant proper details. Mm. Um, in the United Kingdom, everybody that sends a, a business email is supposed to put uh, their company name and address and company registration number on every email. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's part of part of the company's act law, not necessarily, it's not just a part of, you know, good email practice is actually part of companies act law so you know those things um, have become important um, social media and scraping big data for social media information and other details um, is a very largely unregulated space right now and I can see all of the vendors and uh, people that are stakeholders in that space having to come together soon to talk about and deal with privacy issues and how they should deal with that data and what they shouldn't do with it. Mm, and also bring to light the issue to the general public as well, because um, I still think the majority of people um, are exceptionally open with everything they do online without actually being aware of how much information they're giving away because just because they give away perhaps their full name on one site it then makes it easier of course to find that information elsewhere and match it on with something else and and, and that's how all this um the big data works because there are elements of a footprint that can be stitched together you're absolutely right and you know what's going to come in the near future uh, you know a whole bunch of other channels um, that undoubtedly will be uh, optimized for conversion rate again because conversion rate optimization is, is such a big deal it's such an important part of digital marketing um, we can explain why in a moment but you've got to think about the internet of things for example um, salesforce the uh, you know the the massive crm solution they mm actually have a thing called journey planner and journey planner theoretically could allow me to set up a journey whereby when a customer walks into my physical retail shop the ib can identifies them through their smartphone we look them up in the crm system and determine they're an existing customer and then we go and have a look at their fitbit public history and if we find that they've been doing ten thousand steps every day 
we'll send them a coupon for the running shoes. But if they've only been doing 2,000 steps a day, we'll send them a coupon for the nice comfy Clark shoes in the corner. Wow. And you've got to ask yourself, at what point does that kind of personalization flip over from being incredibly useful um, because who doesn't love a coupon to save the money on the thing they probably want? And when does it become creepy and therefore create a negative sales impact? And that is actually something that we're going to be investigating over the next couple of months for a, another uh, report in the near future. Um, working out, you know, when we cross that uncanny valley into creepy land is, is mm. going to be really interesting. So do you think the biggest changes in the land of conversion rate optimization over the last couple of years has been around getting more personalized? Um, certainly personalization and conversion rate optimization do go hand in hand with each other. Um, if you look at some of the work that uh, some of the really big AB split testing companies are, are doing, they're not just AB split testing design changes and copy changes on, on websites, they're split testing technology changes and they're using segmentation. So um, a great example actually came up in a, a roundtable discussion earlier this week. Um, went to uh, to visit uh, the guys from Qubit mm. and uh, they were <clears throat> putting a, a session on with uh, Forrester and, uh, and one of their customers. Um, and we were talking about this whole situation and uh, one of the things I found in a previous report about how people complain on social media is that you've got these pockets of, uh, of different types of people. So you've got your... Uh, sort of digital natives, if you like, you know, the, the, the youngsters who basically are living inside social media all the time. Mm. Um, you know, their idea of what the internet is for is that it is for collaboration and creating things and, you know, communication. Um, and, you know, it's, it's always on, they're always connected. Um, as you move up and through the ages, you realize that, uh, you know, everybody um, has a touch point to social media, but not everybody wants to continue to talk on social media. Um, so the millennials might want to complain about you on social media, but then pick up the phone and talk to you. Um, the Gen Xers might want to complain about you on social media, but then jump on an email and write a 700 word thesis on why you're so bad. Right. Um, digital silver foxes, you know, they might want to complain about you on social media, but then go and get involved in a forum or in a in an online chat. Mm. And that you can test. You can actually create those settings in your database, and then you can set your website up so that if this segment of visitor comes along, you serve them a telephone number on the screen. If this other segment comes along, you serve them a live chat on the screen. If another segment comes along, you serve them an email address on the screen, and then you can test whether that increases or decreases engagements with people that have a support issue. And uh, those kinds of technical CRO changes are intrinsically linked to personalization because that's a very personalized way of supporting your customers. So are you able to give an example of a company that is doing that particularly well at the moment? My word. Um, <laughs> now you're putting me on the spot. Um, the, the thing is, is there are actually so many companies in the e-commerce space um, in particular um, you know there are companies who are doing all sorts of uh, amazing things in you know, e-commerce um, you know e-commerce is, is really important obviously because 
even a, a small percentage increase in conversions on an e-commerce site could mean the difference uh, between you know running at a flat rate or getting an extra hundred thousand uh, pounds or dollars in revenues you know that day or week mm. um farfetch are, are really interesting and they were part of the the qubit roundtable um earlier this week um you know farfetch are uh, they've, they've gone from you know very uh, very small beginnings um to you know a really seriously large unicorn style billion dollar valuation company in the space of a few years you know zero to sort of 600 staff in in no time at all mm. and a lot of that is around the way that they have uh, embraced this idea of of continuous optimization um but also set up the team within their company uh, to support that kind of continuous optimization and i think you know that's something that is very very important in conversion rate optimization in general um, and we had a, a webinar earlier this week where we had a panel of experts come on and, and this was echoed uh, by real serious experts like uh, talia wolf for example um, that you know cro is a lot of the time about getting the team and the hypothesis and all of the groundwork put together in the right way before you get started um, Farfetch is certainly a, a great example of uh, an organization that has done that. Um, and they're doing all of these really complicated technical, you know, split tests, and multivariate tests. Um, you know, it's it's really quite impressive what they've achieved. Okay. Um, what about technology? Um, say you're um, a reasonably small company, uh, perhaps with a WordPress website, um, so not with um, a massive budget, but you're wanting to increase your conversion rates um you can use any example you like you know maybe maybe you're a service um focused company perhaps you're an e-commerce site but um what are um one or two tools that you could actually use to try and um, improve your conversion rates yeah absolutely i mean it's uh you know there's a lot of amazing tools out there for conversion rate optimization and a huge amount of them are completely attainable um, and usable by by small businesses um, you know, Optimizely, for example, is a, a really good example uh, because Optimizely for a small business um, can be completely free. You know, as long as you stay below their uh, free account threshold, um, you can use Optimizely to do some all sorts of incredible things. Um, it's it's a really very simple A/B split testing solution that allows you to ch change the way things look and serve you know different versions to different visitors measure the results and then uh, make sure that the winner is, is the one that sticks. Um, Crazy Egg is, a, is another great solution for heat mapping. Um, heat mapping is a, is a really great technique. Um, allows you to look at where people are clicking on your site. And um, with Crazy Egg, you also get scroll mapping, which is a visual representation of how far they're scrolling down your page. Mm. Um, you know, and if you look at those results it's, it's very easy to see um, and we had an example from techwise a, a, a toronto-based organization um, in the cro report the cro tools report um, whereby you could see clearly that one of their menu items the one called resources just wasn't getting clicked at all so you would from there realize that that is dead space uh, potentially on your website um, and you might then look to make a change and then measure the uh, results of that change 
and uh, if you get better results then stick with the best version mm -hmm. um, some other tools are, that are really interesting to, to uh, use for small businesses um, would be visual website optimizer um, visual website optimizer is an interesting one because um, they've produced probably one of the most complete uh, CRO solutions on the market um, they haven't necessarily created one of the most complete solutions. They have actually added some function and rather than, uh, you know, creating it themselves. Um, but as well as, you know, split testing and multivariate testing, um, they allow you to draw on the wisdom of crowds and put your, um, you know, hypotheses and tests in front of expert panels um, for them to give you what they think is going to work and what you might want to, you know, do better. Um, and, you know, that's something that's in everyone's reach through free tools like Typeform and SurveyMonkey and SurveyGizmo. Um, anyone can create a survey, send it to their customers, asking them what they think of these potential future changes in design, logo, color, price, you know, anything that's important to them um, and get real customer feedback. Uh, user feedback and, and concept testing and expert panels is as much a part of conversion rate optimization as split testing, multivariate testing, heat mapping, and funnel analysis. Well, that um, might have already actually answered the first question of the second section of our discussion, but um, I'll ask it anyway, just in case you come up with anything else. Software I couldn't live without. So that's, um, what software do you currently use in your own business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? That's uh, an awesome question. Um, if I can answer that less from a venture beat standpoint, okay. and instead uh, answer that in terms of, of uh, say, the other websites that I'm involved with, um, these aren't websites I'm involved with for personal gain, you'll be pleased to know. <laughs> um, I run a, a few websites that are multi author websites that give all of the revenue they create to charity. And it's, it's just a philanthropic venture and volunteers create the content and you know anything we make from advertising and affiliate revenue goes to charity. So anytime we uh, you know run hypotheses and tests, it's because we want to increase the amount of donations that we can offer. Um, and you know in running those tests, uh, I have to say for those solutions where we have to use free tools, uh, because if we were to use paid for tools, then that's that's taking the money away from the charity, which is not what we're trying to achieve. Mm. Um, we've found Crazy Egg absolutely invaluable, um, but we've recently changed to a new tool that came out so recently that uh, it actually missed the CRO tools report because it, it came out after the tools <laughs> report was delivered. And that's Hotjar, <laughs> yes. Um, Hotjar has really caught my attention. Um, you know, they were good enough to get in touch with me and, and let me break the news that they were launching publicly. Um, so we, we covered that on VentureBeat for them. Um, but, you know, I've been using Hotjar as well, and I'm, I'm actually super impressed with that because what it gives me beyond Crazy Egg at this point, um, not just the ability to do the heat mapping and the scroll maps and those kinds of things, I can actually record the entire journey of the user on the site. Yeah and look at those recordings and really get a feel for what is working and what isn't working. And, you know, when you're asking people to share your content because it improves the amount of donations that you can give, um, you want to make sure that they can 
see those sharing buttons that they're not in a blind spot on the site and they're not getting missed um you know those things are really important um if they you know, are getting involved in, in in sharing that content um that increases our traffic traffic increase means we can charge more for advertising more for advertising means more donations so you know it used to be crazy egg but uh, the new kid in town is, is hot jar and uh, at the moment i can't off wanting to live without that particular piece of software <laughs> yes um it's a tool that i've been using the last few weeks as well and it is quite incredible that the even the, the free version offers a hundred videos and um a thousand heat maps um which gives you an awful lot of insight without even going pro yeah absolutely and you know that's not to say there aren't a lot of amazing tools out there um you know the the, the thing of conversion rate optimization and you know, this is something that we discovered by surveying close to 3,000 CRO users, is that the average return on investment reported by those users was 223%. Wow. Now, that's pretty outstanding. In fact, out of those 3,000, I think it was, this is off the top of my head, so don't shoot me if I got this slightly wrong. I've got my gun ready here. Uh, no. <laughs> but I think it was 143 of the close to 3,000 um, marketers had actually seen uh, return on investment uh, percentages of over a thousand percent from CRO tool usage. Wow. So, you know, this is why CRO is so important. And, you know, if there's one message I can get across to everyone about why they should be picking up CRO tools and, and getting to know them, it's this. Um, if you've got 10,000 users coming to your website every month and you want to double the amount of people that convert, whatever that conversion means to you. Um, let's say that you've got 2% converting right now. Your choices are get 4% converting or get 20,000 visits a month. Mm. Going from 10,000 to 20,000 visits a month will cost you a reasonable chunk of money. Um, you're either going to have to spend more money on creating content and thought leadership and demand generation content to get people to come to your site. Um, or you might have to uh, prostitute yourself to the world of list posts and uh, basically upset everyone that comes to your site because you have link bait and click bait. Mm. Um, or you're going to have to spend a chunk of money on um, promoted stories and sponsored tweets and you know everything else that uh, you could do to spend money to get people to come to your site. Yeah. Do you have any... But going from going from 2% to 4%, conversion is all free yeah and that's the big difference i was just going to say do you have any um knowledge of the number of businesses out there in terms of percentage that um haven't even started working on conversion rate optimization at all 97 percent. wow now it... let me let me frame that for you <laughs> <laughs> um one of the things that we do differently at, at VB Insight is we don't just interview, you know, 20 or 50 or 100 of the Fortune 500 about what's going on. Um, what we do is we take, a, we take a small data, a big data approach. So the small data is where we'll survey um, a whole range of, of users. Um, and those will be small business users up to enterprise users. Um, and typically we'll have anything from, you know, 400 to 3,000 responses within that small data set and then we'll use really clever technologies to get a big data set 
And for the CR Tools report, uh, we had a data partner called Orb Intelligence scrape uh, the websites of 3.1 million United States businesses looking for the JavaScript inserts and other little footprints and, and fingerprints that say mm -hmm. which CRO tools they're using. Um, now, in anyone's language, when you consider that in the US there are close to 30 million businesses, 3.1 million businesses is completely statistically significant in terms of the results that we found. Yeah. Now, what we found from that, what we found when we did our state of marketing technology report um, in last year, is that marketing technology in general has very, very low market penetration when you frame it in the Fortune 30 million cents. It might be being used by the Fortune 500s and the software and tech and internet companies of this world. But the fact is that most people are doing their marketing on post-it notes, year planners, and Excel spreadsheets. Um, there is still a long way to go before everyone is using digital marketing techniques. And so, you know, the good news for vendors is there's still 97% of the market out there for you to go and plunder. Um, and the good news for users is that you can get involved with it and it's largely free to do so for most companies because most companies are small enough that they'll stay below the thresholds for free plans on most of these CRO tools. Mm, that's, that's quite incredible, 97% there. I didn't know if you knew a number, if you were going to come up with any particular number there. I was thinking you might say maybe something like 60%, but 97% is just phenomenal. Well, you know, we, we like to uh, we like to look at the broader picture because, you know, one of the things about marketing technology is it's quite scary. Um, there are more than 2,100 products in the marketing technology space, and they sit in at least 29 different categories of product, and that's if you're consolidating categories a little bit. Um, you know, some people look at the marketing technology space and have more than 40 categories. And... A marketer that looks at that entire space um, is basically just going to have their eyes glaze over. Mm. Um, look at it, look at how complicated it is, and carry on doing what they're doing. Um, what we want to do is, first of all, make it clear that there is a big opportunity here. Um, and if we frame it from the point of view of the 30 million businesses rather than the 500 biggest ones, um, first of all, we're at least telling you that there is an opportunity for you to get a competitive advantage if you do this. Um, you know, because not very many other people are doing this kind of stuff. That's that's the first message. The second part of what we do is that we try to explain what these tools actually do for you. And that's why we spent so much time and effort coming up with total cost of ownership and return on investment numbers that really mean something. Um, you know, you can't ignore the fact that on average, across 3,000 people, CRO tools delivered that 223% return on investment average. Um, that's the clearest message that we could possibly give that 97% that they're missing out. Wow. <laughs> well, let's take you back in time now. I wish I would have. So I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you were involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? Back then, uh, we had green text on a black screen, so um, I would have loved to have done some better design work, that's for sure. Um, it was, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. If I take it back to 
um, first real experiences. And uh, I love being put on the spot with questions like this and rambling on for just a few seconds while I get my brain in check <laughs> and work out the best possible example. I you know, spent quite a lot of time building Europe, Middle East, and Africa offices for companies that wanted to expand here. And there was an organization uh, that was originally called CLS Research um, down in Melbourne. And they wanted an office uh, for their product, uh, which back then was called Create Print. Um, we renamed it to Create Form uh, because it didn't just print. Right. Um, it was an electronic forms package. Um, we eventually changed the company name to Create Form International. Um, and some people from Xerox and, and uh, myself uh, joined to create a Europe, Middle East and Africa office for them. And of course, you know, one of the first things we did was, was have a look at the website. Um, and, you know, it became really, really clear to us that uh, as we went through the years with that company, that our opportunity to really, really expand throughout that marketplace um, would have been much quicker. Uh, it would have been much more effective if we had spent a lot more time on translating the website and the messaging and all the collateral and everything into at least French, Italian, Spanish, Portuguese, and German uh, from the get-go. Right. Um, it took us a few years to get to that point. Um, you know, we still did triple-digit growth year on year for seven years, so we didn't do too bad. Um, but we would have grown massively faster uh, if we'd have taken different languages into consideration much, much earlier. Um, we built it into the product, we just hadn't built it into the marketing, and that was that was really, really important. Wow, okay, so you'd built it into the product, so the the service capability of, of delivering whatever you were you doing in whatever language w was there, but um, the, the, the marketing funnel wasn't there. Exactly, wow. yeah, and it, and it would have been so much easier. Um, you know, it took us years to break into France because, you know, you have this uh, this thing, the, uh, the bond law, you know, protection of the French language law, mm. and uh, you have to have at the very minimum um, the installation instructions, you know, in French, uh, and more reasonably, you have to have real French speakers, you know, in France selling your product. Um, the fact that we had no sales collateral on the website or physically or an email in French at all just really, really scuppered our chances of, of breaking into that marketplace. Um, you know, we should have done that a lot, lot earlier than we did. The this or that round. Okay, so this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions and just two rows here. Try not to think about the answer too much. And you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. So, ready to go? Let's do it. Email or Twitter? Email. Audio or video? Video. Affiliates or display advertising? Affiliates. Facebook or Google Plus? Both. <laughs> Online press releases or one-on-one -on -one relations? One-on-one -on -one relations every time. Paid search or SEO? Paid search. Email contact form or telephone number? Email. Website or app? How many times can I say both? <laughs> One time. One time. Darn it. Uh, let's go with... Oh. <laughs> I 
I want to say both again. <laughs> I'm going to break the rules. It's the 99th episode, both. <laughs> well, most people end up leaving the both until the last question. That's even more challenging. But <laughs> Okay. Uh, <laughs> social subscriber or email subscriber? Email. And local marketing or global marketing? Local. Well, that wasn't so much of a, a challenge. Um, why Facebook or Google? Why, why, why was that so much of a... Oh, not sure about that one. Uh, 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 are you uh, footing both camps on that one? Footing both camps on that one. Now, you know, Google Plus is a really interesting social platform. I'm calling it a social platform, not a social network. Right. I see it as a social platform that connects Google's products together. Um whereas Facebook is a social network. Um, now, Facebook is interesting because if you want to reach certain people, there is no doubt about it. Um, Facebook paid advertising works. It really, really does. And, uh, you know, organically speaking, it's terrible. <laughs> but if you're willing to pay money, Facebook is a, is a great spot to be in, um, even if who you want to reach are business people. Um you know, it's really interesting, especially when you look at the remarketing side of Facebook um, and targeted marketing to individuals that maybe have come to your website and given you their email address. And now you can remind them who you are when they're looking at, you know, friends and family pictures and when they're looking at a, a private community that, you know, exists, there'll be a little advert in the sidebar reminding them that they really need to follow through and, and get back in touch with you. Google Plus, on the other hand, um, you know, lots and lots of research. I'm not the SEO expert, absolutely not. But, you know, so much research and so much of my own personal, uh, you know, experience in, in Google Plus is that the, the organic bit does work and it does work from an SEO standpoint and it does uh, make, you know, sure that people see your content. Um, but also, you know, I personally prefer... Google Plus from point of communication point of view, I, I run various private and public communities on Google Plus. I always find them more engaging and, and much more content than the similar Facebook communities. Um, and tools like this, you know, Google Plus Hangouts, if we didn't have Hangouts and Hangouts on air, uh, you know, where would we be, we be right now? It's, it's pretty much my virtual office. You know, I carry my Android tablet around with me everywhere, and I've I've got my office with me everywhere because of Google Plus. So, you know, they both have their uh, their benefits. I couldn't split them. The ten thousand dollar question. So, if I was to give you ten thousand dollars and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on, and how would you measure success? Wow, that's that's an awesome question. <laughs> Um, if I were to spend $10,000 on anything, um, it would most likely be uh, paid advertising. Um, and I have to choose the channel that would be best for that particular audience. Um, you know, it could be Facebook, it could be sponsored tweets, it could be YouTube. Um, it could be all sorts of different things depending on my product or service, but I would spend it on, on paid, uh, advertising on various social networks and platforms. 
My number one takeaway. Well, Stuart, you, you've offered a lot of incredible advice in our conversation, and I'm sure we could go on talking for a long time, but um, let's try and distill it down to one takeaway here. So, so what would you say is the one thing that uh, people listening should just take away and try and implement in their own businesses? Conversion rate optimization is effectively free money. Start doing it. Brilliant. Okay, well, that takes us to the end of our conversation today. So thank you so much for your time and your advice. What's the best way for our audience to reach out to you or, or find out more about you if, they, if they'd like to do that? Um, absolutely, yeah. It'd be absolutely a, a pleasure to hear from anybody. Um, you can always ask me questions online. I, I find uh, I'm ridiculously easy to find if you type my name in and, and spell it correctly. <laughs> um, the uh, little thing down the bottom here should help with that. Uh, if you're um, watching on video or, or on audio, S-T-E-W-A-R-T, <laughs> Rogers, yeah. Uh, exactly, yeah, <laughs> R-O-G-E-R-S. Um, you'll find me on Twitter at the real SJR. Um, that's just in case there's a fake SJR out there. <laughs> um, you'll find me on Google Plus at plus Stuart Rogers. Um, you'll find me, if you search Google for Stuart Rogers, you'll find me all over the front page. Um, feel free to ask questions. Um, you'll also find me on VentureBeat and uh, VB Insight, uh, which is insight.venturebeat.com. And uh, you know, if people are interested in the CRO report, um, come and hop along to insight.venturebeat.com. We've actually got a, a free sample version of that CRO report. It's 3,000 of the 17,000 words I wrote, and it's completely free to anyone who wants it. Uh, just come along and, and grab that. You'll find it in the marketing technology reports section. Lovely. Okay. Um, sorry, what was the um, address for that? Because you just cut out a little bit while you're seeing that website address. Yeah, that's insight.venturebeat.com. Brilliant. Okay, well, I'll also... You can also find it from the, from the venturebeat.com homepage by just clicking on the Insight menu option as well. Wonderful. Okay, well, I'll include links to all of the resources that you mentioned throughout the show um, in the show notes on digitalmarketingradio.com. So thanks again, Stuart. Well, thank you, David. It's been an absolute rare pleasure and uh, love the hoodie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Down with the kids. <laughs> we'll we see you next time on... Thanks for joining us. Bye for now.